on a join the adventures of the magical space pussycats. Explore a bookish horizons and have an in-depth lady chat. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Magical Space Pussycats. This is episode six and today we are going to be talking about naming the new young adult not a Hugo Award. Uh, we're going to be talking about the joy of local conventions including my local convention Bristol Con and we're going to be talking about our new obsession with fangirl happy hour. Well, Caitlin's new obsession. And also, of course, we'll be doing our book club pick from the Lady Vaults that was Luck in the Shadows by Lynn Flewelling. And joining me today, I have the lovely... I'm Chelsea. I'm coming to you guys from the Midwest United States. And uh, I'm really, really excited to talk about this book. So, <laughs> all right. And I'm Caitlin, and I'm coming to you guys from England, and I am also super excited about this one, because you guys know this is kind of my thing. <laughs> and I am, of course, Elizabeth, and I am not at all excited about this book. <laughs> Which just adds to the fun. Oh, okay. Right, so let's talk about what's new, Pussycats. Let's talk about the new Not A Hugo Award. Does anybody right. have any interesting thoughts on this? And what is it? Um, well, basically, for those who aren't following the Hugos quite as closely, and I'm over here waiting for a week when we won't have to talk about something else that the Hugos <laughs> is doing. Um, but essentially, they are creating a, a, a new award or an independent award to award young adult literature in science fiction and fantasy. And the reason they have to do a separate award is because there are like rules in the bylaws about overlapping books and categories and things fitting in more than one place at a time. And so in order to acknowledge something that's independently young adult, um, they kind of have to give it its own thing, much like the uh, John W. Campbell award is for yeah. new writers. Um, but they are essentially uh, looking to name it. They want to give it a, its own name. So it's an, it's an independent award. And yeah, that's what's happening. Uh, I have negligible thoughts other than I'm glad to see that they're doing a young adult award. I think it's a, a positive step towards acknowledging the current landscape of science fiction and fantasy. And there are some really solid young adult books out there. But yeah. that's where my feelings stop. So, <laughs> <laughs> ladies, anybody? <laughs> no, I, th I think it's good. The re the, like you say, the bylaws and stuff, it's because the Hugos are divided by length. And having another award where a book could fit twice doesn't work in terms mm -hmm. of Hugos. So the Campbell Award's always been known as the Not a Hugo Hugo Award. Uh, so this will also be the Not a Hugo Hugo Award. Um, so that's quite exciting. And I... I think it's really good, like you say, acknowledging that there's some really amazing young adult sci-fi and fantasy going on, because it almost never gets awarded. I'm pretty sure um, that Harry Potter might be like the only young adult mm -hmm. that's ever won. I might be going a bit OTT on that, but mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, there's not a lot that gets recognised. A lot of the Hugo voters aren't necessarily the most enthused or readers yeah. of this sort of area. And mm. by bringing it in, we're bringing in potentially a whole like slew of new voters who would get enthused by it. And yeah. I've been guilty in the past of not acknowledging your YA, brushing it off and saying, oh, well, it feels like YA, this is a rubbish book. But 
then I got schooled by some people when we've read young adult books <laughs> about, yeah, not judging things by their genre. And, um, and I've come to find some... to what you know as well, isn't exactly. there? Exactly. Like, just because you've read some YAs that were bad doesn't always mean everything that's YA yeah, is bad. I... And we, I think since then, have discovered many good YA books that exactly. we've both really enjoyed. And uh, I know that Chelsea, you know lots of YA books that you really enjoy as well. So I think between the three of us, we mm-hmm. could probably nominate some things for this if it well, does I think it's... go ahead. <laughs> I think it's a lot like a lot of genres and you just have to find what works for you. You can go to romance or mystery or anything and you'll find books that are bad, that are not good examples of that genre. But, you know, you just have to keep looking and find what works for you because it's out there. And I think this Mm. award is a great kind of big bulletin board to steer more people in the direction within the SFF genre of stuff that might work for them. So... Yeah, yeah, young adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, you know, if you're just reading the surface of a of a genre, you will only find, you know, some really generic, overhyped stuff. But if once mm-hmm. you start reading into it, you find all kinds of things. And this year, I've been making a real effort to read more YA stuff, and I found some great stuff. I could pick out like a couple off the top of my head now that I would nominate. So I'm quite excited yeah. to nominate for it. All right, pop quiz, ladies. Did we good? Did we good? <laughs> what are you gonna name it? Ooh. Oh no! Yeah, I, pop quiz. Yeah, they the, the categories they gave were: Do you want to name it after a person? Which I think mm-hmm. no, bad yeah, idea. No, uh-uh. no, 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 yeah. no person statues either. No, no. Looking person. at you, HP yeah. Lovecraft. <laughs> like, no, we don't need to get into that again. Yeah, because that will always be. There's always going to be some part of their personal politics that doesn't fit over time. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Um, a thing. So it was like, you know, a thing, like a, a rocket or a star or a light or whatever. Um, or a concept, I think they said. Yeah. Con- concepts are tricky. I don't, I don't. Yeah. They were like. The... Let's just call it the Harry Potter Award and we'll just Yay! make it, we'll just make it that picture from the front first cover where he's like out on his broom with like his hand out catching the snitch. We'll just, it'll oh, look like yeah. a bowling trophy, but way better. <laughs> You've thought about this clearly. Yeah, Hugo Award Committee, hit me up. I'm here for services. Yeah, but if you are interested in putting a vote in for the name, um, then we will include the link to the form where you can vote and put your idea for the name in. Uh, so, yeah, join in, yeah. D- join in, and name a new award. Yeah, and nominate whenever yeah. it becomes a mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So. What about BristolCon, Elizabeth? Tell us about BristolCon, <laughs> yes. because you were there yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. It was Your tweets yesterday. were Very so recent. good. <laughs> well done for getting up this morning. Yes. How was it? It was fantastic. It's, it's a little local convention. There's only a couple of hundred people go along to it. But it's got such a great reputation as like a really friendly, chilled out convention. And it's thoroughly deserved. It's the third time I've been there. And it's just really enjoyable. Um, they get some lovely authors there. I met Emma Newman there last year and we like hung out and knitted. There was like a whole knitting circle going on in the like tea room. (laughs) That sounds very cute. Oh my God, that's so delightful. It's so adorable. And, um, and then they have two program tracks and you can go to one or other talk in each, um, and like book launches for like little local authors and a little dealer's room selling books. I had, I came home with 
eight books, I think. Ooh, nice. <laughs> not bad. Which is not bad, yeah. Not bad. Um, and it was just really enjoyable. They do a quiz and they do games. And yeah, it's, it's like everything that's enjoyable about the big conventions, just on a teeny tiny scale. Mm-hmm. And oh. yeah, I just feel like if you've never gone to a smaller convention, if you've always aimed for the big world cons or Dragon Con or, you know, whatever, then try out a smaller one. It can be really rewarding, really enjoyable. You get more time to hang out with authors. Even if they're not the big name authors, there are some that you will love and you've read and you can just, you know, actually sit down and have a chat and a cup of tea with them without it being this huge, massive deal. Mm -hmm. That sounds lovely. Sounds absolutely delightful. I would like to go to BristolCon at some point. I keep meaning to each year and Mm -hmm. always there's something that clashes with it. But one time I will go with it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, even if, you know, there are other local conventions all around and, and more specific ones for different interests, like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Discworld Con that used to happen. I think it still happens. Um, and uh, I mean, all kinds of like state specific yeah. ones in America. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's, it's worth talking about, even though we focus on like the big Hugos and World Con and all that, then... I would like to go to some yeah. more small ones. I I went to Fantasy Con, which isn't a massive one, particularly when it was up in Nottingham. But I, because I live so close to London, all my local ones are the big ones because that's what London has, really. But I think there are some smaller ones if you go a bit further out. So I definitely need to do some yeah. investigating and find some because yeah. I, I think it would be fun. It's also much less daunting if you've never been to a convention and the first time that's you go true. is Worldcon. That can be a bit overwhelming if you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you did, isn't it? Yeah, it was it, a lot. But I am, like, because of that, I'm excited to, when Kansas City's um, Comic Con rolls around, I'm excited to go and check that out and go to some of the outlying, some of the stuff that's in um, Oklahoma and Chicago, which is, like, kind of a drive, but close enough that I could still make it work for the weekend of, like, a convention um, because they are going to be radically different experiences. And as much as I loved Worldcon, like, it was a lot. <laughs> so mm. I think going to something that's slightly turned down a little just in terms of, mm. of scale and stuff would be probably like yeah. right in that sweet spot. So I'm excited to check out some of the smaller ones that are around. Yes. And the other advantage of the small conventions is that you can get involved, which is what <laughs> I'm now doing. I have been <laughs> somehow onto the BristolCon committee. So I actually get to organize it. And Yeah. Um, panel planning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be too much involved in programming, but we'll see what we'll see what uh, we can do. That's what you do. say. Yeah, now. we'll see. <laughs> Just you wait. Yeah. Next year, so, everything organized by Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. I'm also a volunteering for Worldcon, but that's a bit of a you know, yeah. That's a big. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, um, I debated doing that, but I haven't yet. <laughs> yeah. No, volunteering for conventions is a great way of going. If you've never been to a convention before and you're worried or scared or whatever, and you've never you've not got anyone to chat to, go volunteer. Ask to be a gopher or you know help out with ops or whatever's going on. See how you could yeah. help out, and you will have a hundred people to talk to, and they will love you for it. Plus, I learned at Worldcon that if you go volunteer with either Setup or Teardown, you can actually get a two for one exchange. Like for every one hour you spend volunteering, they'll let you hang out in the convention for a couple of hours, just as kind of Ooh, cool. quote repayment for your volunteering efforts. So you know, if you're if you're a little short on cash, or if you're not entirely sure you want to pay to fully commit volunteering for a couple hours in the morning to help vendors set up booths or do whatever, might be a good way to kind of 
just dip your toes in and see if maybe it's something you want to start checking out. So I know I ran into several volunteers who were very helpful at Worldcon. So they're definitely important parts of the team. Yeah. All right. Shall we talk about Caitlin's new obsession? Please. (laughs) Because it's it's such a good obsession, isn't it, for you guys? You guys have been on this train for a while. I welcome to the club, Caitlin. Welcome. (laughs) My confession. It's one of many confessions because I did confess to the others before we started that I'd also not seen Star Wars, which was shocking to them. But another confession (laughs) is that even though I have been on a podcast for like, well, this is the sixth episode, I had not listened to podcasts before (laughs) I started this, any of them, not even a single one. Um, My fiance is really into them. He loves them. You guys are really into them. Lots of people I know are really into them. I knew I would be too. And that's why I hadn't listened to them, because I didn't want to fall down a rabbit hole. And that is what has happened with Fangirl Happy Hour. I have started listening to that one because you guys kept mentioning it. And I was like, okay, fine, fine. I'll give it a go. So I did. And I listened to episode one. And then I listened to episode two. And then I listened to episode three. And now I'm on episode 25. And it's been like a week and a half. And I'm not even joking. Um, So I'm obsessed. Like actually yes. obsessed. Um, I've only listened to theirs because I know that I want to catch up with that one, and then I'm going to start catching up with others. But I love it, mm-hmm. so that's my um, my obsession. Yeah, now. rabbit hole is a good term for it. I remember it has literally yeah. been like a year since I started listening to Serial, which of course, like everybody, was like the first podcast I ever listened to, really. Um, and now it's it's insane it's every the updates every morning on my phone for different podcasts that i follow are just crazy but fangirl happy hour (laughs) isn't a special favorite uh i always get really excited especially for their like surprise tuesday episodes that come out because i am not expecting them and then i'm like oh yay more renee and anna i'm so excited this is gonna be so exciting um plus because she won't say it elizabeth was just on fangirl happy hour and did an absolutely amazing job representing booktube and the sff community and fandom and all of those areas so well yes. done elizabeth you did us I proud was, yeah. it was wonderful superb excellent it was applause. yes it was lovely being able to talk to renee and anna in real life like amazing because they're so sweet and i listen to them all the time and um follow like um their blogs and stuff so it was it was crazy being able to like talk to them like real people mm-hmm. <laughs> so hi both <laughs> um <laughs> But yes, yeah. lovely. And yes, welcome, Caitlin, to the world of obsessive <laughs> podcast listening. Next, yeah. I challenge you to listen to the Galactic Spurbia archive. Oh, that's, that, there's I like 150 episodes, and those episodes are long, girl. I so know. like, brace yeah. yourself. That is I a know. commitment. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm putting the audiobooks to the side, and it's podcast from yeah. here on out. That's the one thing <laughs> with podcasts. It's like fan fiction with regular reading. It's podcasts with audiobooks. Because I'm like, yeah. oh, I really need to listen to the audiobook. Oh, but challenge. all these wonderful podcasts are here, so I'm so distracted. Yeah. It's been good, though. It's been good. Speaking of good transitions and books I want to write fan fiction about, should we talk about Luck in the Shadows and (laughs) Violin Quelling? Because this book is so amazing, you guys. Okay. Would somebody who's not me like to give a synopsis? Yeah. I'm going to go with Caitlin. Caitlin's got, like, the high fantasy brain. I can't, Chelsea. You're going to have to do it. Because I read all three, and I can't remember what's in what. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) You've got to do it. Ooh, I did not prepare for this. It's like a, it's like a bad pop quiz. Okay, so there's a, several things happening. Uh, in the beginning of the book, we meet 
uh, a young boy named Alec who is in prison for something I can't remember, but it's not integral. Uh, and he has escaped from prison by this um, essentially barred slash spy slash disguised man slash stranger named, uh, we learn, Sarah Gill. And Sarah Gill kind of takes Alex under his wing and they go and they have several adventures, the first of which involves a a uh, poisoned disc of some kind that they steal and is imbued yeah. with some kind mm-hmm. of dark magic. We don't learn too much about it uh, in the first book, although it is heavily hinted at being very important later oh, yeah, on in the is. rest of the novels. <laughs> um, and then, so, in the process of dealing with this cursed object, they end up going to uh, kind of Sarah Gill's hometown of Rimini and meeting up with his wizard friend, Nysander, um, and that introduced kind of a the other plot line, which is uh, Sarah Gill's double life, kind of as a noble as well as a thief and a vagabond and a, mm. a kind of watcher of society. And so, of course, Alec is being tutored in all of those fun training scenes that we expect from our fantasy novels. So horse riding and sword play and magic and lock picking and... You guys, we've all read it before. Many, <laughs> and many adventures of fun. Many adventures, many baths, um, which is a thing <laughs> we will discuss further on later. But essentially, um, throughout this secondary plotline of nobility, we learn that there has been some kind of scandal to frame Sarah Gill for treason, and there is an underlying plot working against the current queen based on ancient racism and xenophobia. And so we are introduced to some evil nobility. And of course, one of those nobility turns out to be uh, a woman. Oh, God, we'll get there. Um, And they deal with her. And that is kind of the end of the first, uh, the kind of internal plot arc of the first book. And then we end with Sarah Gill and Alec going forth and having adventures in other lands to learn more about the dark magic and the political machinations. There's war a brewing. So, how'd I do? Is that all right? Yeah, pretty good. Okay, yeah, that was really good. I do not have a brain for high fantasy stuff, so that was I was. It's It's so complex and like lots of little plot lines that it's so you're just like this happened and then this other thing and then there's so much stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Mm. Right. So, So, how did everybody read this book? Because like that. Caitlin was saying it can really affect your reading and and you did it differently didn't you I did I audiobooked these books um I'm halfway through the third book at the moment and I've been listening to them on audio and I love the audio experience for this book because of how delightful it is it's such a delightful (laughs) book and Mm -hmm. the characters have a bit of a thing going on underlying (laughs) yeah they're not so subtle maybe gonna develop into a relationship kind of thing and when you listen to that it's like even more flirtatious than when you're reading it so it was like I was sat in my lunch break and I just heard like oh shall we go and take a bath together Mm -hmm. and I was like oh wow things are getting steamy so it was all very exciting it also means I can't spell any of the names as Elizabeth corrected all my spellings when I wrote out the notes for this that's fair uh, yeah, but I know them by sound, phonetically, that's mm-hmm. what I mean. And I I really enjoyed the audiobook. I think, I can't remember who the narrator is at the moment off the top of my head, but they did a good job and it was quite a fun read. So I really enjoyed mm. that. Yeah. I am I just now thinking e-book, so. I should have 
Yeah, I'm now thinking I should have listened to the audiobook because it was you might it was have a had long fun. read. Um, okay, but, yeah. so this is, we would say, a pretty traditional epic fantasy, right? Like the first book oh, in yeah. a pretty mm. traditional high fantasy series. Yeah. Except for so. two things. Yes. Yeah. Ladies, although not main character ladies, so mm. only half points, not full points, but ladies in a very kind of non-traditional gender role. Yeah. And so yeah. many boys wanting to kiss other boys and girls. Yeah. Yeah. So much bisexuality <laughs> in this book and it's so So adorable. much. Like yeah. loads and loads of the characters are either gay or bisexual and it is just an accepted part of the society in Rimini in in and in the wider country of mm-hmm. Scala. But where Alec comes from it's not. So it's you get that contrast of like learning about the world and it's fantastic. Yeah, so that's uh, that's yeah. why I wanted to go at it from that angle because I think Caitlin and I are usually pretty like on board for the epic fantasy just in general. But yeah. like Elizabeth, you're not, and like yeah. very yeah. unabashedly <laughs> not really no. down for that. So I'm wondering how those kind of like subversions changed your predispositions towards this book or how you felt about this yeah. book. No, yeah. I really liked the you know the sexuality mm-hmm. bit it was wonderful to see that just to see the ease with which it could be part of the thing because you know so often mm. there's these justifications of why books like t- yeah. trad epic fantasy is white straight male because that's how it was because yeah, that's be what the readers book. wanted and that's what yeah. society was and yeah and it's like <laughs> no it's perfectly easy to do it didn't feel unnatural it didn't mm-hmm. feel like uh forced in or a made-up society because that's what the real world's like that's what a lot of cultures were like you know that really happened right (laughs) still happening still happening it's going on all over the place shockingly enough there were gay people throughout history it may shock (gasps) you sorry no it was definitely definitely good yeah um and the women um basically the women in the society were able to take on whatever role they wanted whenever they wanted so you you had women being soldiers and uh women ruling countries but you also had women just as dressed up in Mm -hmm. lace and finery and covered in and staying at home and doing that whole thing Mm. yeah 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 and it was the choice it wasn't that they were always soldiers that that was Mm -hmm. the role that all women took it was that they could do whichever in exactly the same way that men always have in fantasy some of them are you know lords prancing around and Mm -hmm. dancing and going out and promenading and some of them are soldiers you can Mm -hmm. do both Shocking. Yeah, and that's the because uh, <laughs> is it Micam? Is that how we're saying it? Yes. Sarah Gold's yeah. friend. Uh, he's got three daughters who pretty much like perfectly embody that because the oldest one wants to be a member of the Queen's Horse Guard, the middle one wants to be a scholar and go to like the university essentially, and then the youngest one, who admittedly is only six, but still just <laughs> wants to do the pretty dresses princess. royalty kind of thing and it's just so there is no shame involved and no questioning and no and that's the thing is it's so refreshing not everything always like it just we just want the choice guys we just want the choice that's all it's really not that hard and it's just so nice to see it it was a little bit of a bummer that the main like well I guess main villain within this book story arc was Hmm. female I mean 
and it was okay. <laughs> it didn't feel like she really was the main villain. Like, yeah. I, it was one of the things I felt about this book was the whole book felt like a build up to something else. This mm-hmm. was just the prequels. Yeah. yeah, like this is clearly is. just like planting the first seeds in all that stuff that's yeah. later on. Yeah. So this even is why though... I find it hard to like remember what happened in this mm-hmm. book when I was going over the synopsis with you guys and like rereading bits of it, I was thinking, oh my god, there's so much that happens in book two that's way more important. Yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely the ladies come into it a lot more later on, but this book not so much yeah yeah and that that really bugged me because it was like there were lots of ladies in the world thank goodness because there are some fantasy and science fiction books especially older ones where Where are the women where'd they go like do they not exist in this world yeah where'd they go how do you procreate like they're typing in the background elizabeth they're they're busy they're busy typing in the background you just yeah. can't hear them. They're not saying anything. Oh, <laughs> oh it's the worst. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but there were loads and loads of women, but they were all minor characters. Yeah. So mm. it was like, and I feel like that's done a lot in books where you're like, you yeah. know, you know there's supposedly like diversity or equality or whatever, yeah. but all those diverse characters or all the women play only minor roles. So, mm-hmm. you mm. know, Alec is a dude, Sarah Gill's a dude, Micam, their like major sidekick, and Nysander. Like yeah, there was dudes. a lady yeah. wizard. Yeah. There was a lady wizard, but she only came into it minorly. Why couldn't she have been the main wizard? Yeah. Um mm-hmm. there were like there was a queen ruling and princesses, but they were only minor characters. Mm-hmm. Mm. You had yeah. um, you know, the the villains. There were plenty like- of villains, but they only came into it. I would say even the main villain only had a couple of major scenes where we kind of got to meet her. And then at the end when she kind of did the whole dastardly plot reveal thing. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, it's good to know that they definitely come in later, but it's just it's one of those things where, you know, because I know Elizabeth said you're not because you're not going to read any more of these. Are you, Elizabeth? I'm I'm pretty sure now. So, you know, so that means that, you know. This reading experience probably wasn't as full as it could be because it is such a yeah. small step down the path to this huge book series, which, you know, mm-hmm. is something that you run into with first books, but also not always quite like this. Some books do it a little bit better than this one did, I think, but I it really was, enjoyed it. Know, I loved I loved the world that she was creating, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the world of this city and the country that it was representing and whatever like that was amazing and i loved that but it was all the intervening stuff yeah the other just, stuff just oh my god the info so dumpy bored. stuff even oh. i will admit towards the end of like alex training sessions i was just like oh my god i get it i it's fine like oh my god <laughs> So many training montages. So many training montages. <laughs> it's what you get. In it reminded me of Mistborn, where they're like, and now we're going to talk about copper for 10 pages, and now we're going to talk about steel for 10 pages. And I'm just like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Except they, they'd for, like, yeah. They'd like walk yeah. into a room, and before they could do anything in the room, every single thing there had to be described. Oh, yeah. And I was yeah. like, Get on with it. Uh, because they're just You mean you amazing. didn't need to know about the green brocade? memory, they can take in every detail. Mm-hmm. Don't you know this about fantasy characters? <laughs> every one of them has yeah. photographic memory. Yeah, well, I personally love to know whether my 
uh, <laughs> bedroom hangings are damask or brocade. I mean, I just feel oh, like this yeah. is vitally he important doesn't. information to the rest of my existence. Yeah. Um, but so, OK, I have to make a confession for the reason because this book kind of surprised me. Like, I went in knowing, like, oh, you know, there are definitely, you know, it's heavy in the, like, LGBTQ themes, and that's great. But, like, this book stole my heart in a way that I was not ready for. And it's because I am such heavy found family trash. Like, this whole dynamic that uh, Sarah Gill and Alec and Mikeum set up reminded me very heavily of the first Gentleman Bastards book, Liza Wakalamora, oh, with this yeah. kind of, like, mm. disparate group of petty thieves and witty young gentlemen brought together by this like wizened older mentor figure which mm. oh my god I just realized describes like 75% of the fantasy novels yes. I've ever read <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just that that whole dynamic and especially with the kind of angsty elements of Sarah Gill pining for Alec I just found myself like clutching my heart and being like oh no it's so good <laughs> oh man so that is yeah it got yeah, me. Yeah. This book might, I might be completely unable to be like objective about the quality of this book because yeah. that was the just The relationship so dynamic was interesting between Sarah Gill <laughs> and Alec. Like, because for anyone who hasn't read it who's listening, like, he takes him under his wing as an apprentice, but he has this obvious attraction to him, um, Sarah Gill to Alec. Um, Alec has a bit of a like, well, he's a handsome man and then he has these moments like Sarah Gill cross dresses as a woman and he you know he's constantly like mm -hmm. talking about how beautiful he is or like when he gets to see his bare chest and yeah. it was all very oh, so man. romantic and anytime Alec just like blushes because Sarah Gill's naked I'm like oh red flags oh, these are red oh, flags yeah. this is this is an indicator yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. So funny. but it made it you know and he's Saragil tries to maintain it as a friendship and as a, you know, looking after him as a, as the master to the apprentice mm -hmm. and whatever, despite this. But it did sort of, there were moments where I was like, eh, maybe this is a little bit creepy. Like, because mm. he is in that position of power over him. I didn't feel that creepiness. I was like, this is so romantic. I really want them to get together soon. I mean, <laughs> so I... While I didn't feel it, because again, I know trash mean, who can't be yeah. rational, uh, <laughs> I think looking back on it, I can see there's such an allegiance that Alec feels to Saragil because Saragil rescued true. him from prison, mm -hmm. and that sets up such a different I mean, power Alec dynamic. Gets rescued from prison by Saragil for a crime that Saragil committed. He's yeah. in there because people think he's Saragil, so he's mm -hmm. like screwed by Saragil. Yeah. <laughs> the moment he meets him, poor guy. So there's that weird, like, pa and so then for that to turn into something romantic, I can see where that would start to get kind of a little squicky around mm. the edges, or it could be. I think that it's got to be handled very carefully because there are situations where that happens, and absolutely, mm -hmm. and it, it works out and it's fine. But it's just if there is a situation of power like where one person has a lot more power and dominance over the other like alec is dependent upon yeah. Girl. he has no yeah. money or skills or or ability to do anything mm -hmm. he's taken to a strange land he is financially and physically dependent on him and mm -hmm. then yeah. to be in this position where there's this budding romance yes that's legit and happens and is great but it's got to be handled so carefully yeah and there are yeah 
That's yeah. true. And then there I are those the, scenes, yeah. The good thing is that we don't get Sarah Gull forcing himself on Alex at any point. Yeah, yeah. There is none of that sort of weird yeah, relationship yeah. turning dominant or anything. It's very much he knows he's got feelings. Other people realise he's got feelings. Quite a lot of other people, except for Alec, of course. Um, but nothing happens until Alec is kind of there already. And Alec's yeah. the one who's like, you know what? No, no, <laughs> no. Spoilers yeah, later. No, Spoilers, no, 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 no. Uh, no. The slow burn of this book it, to when they inevitably make out is what I am anticipating most about reading the next like six books in this series. <laughs> I didn't say anything about making out. I know I you didn't, but it's happens. got to happen. P.S. If you've read these, do not spoil them for me because I'm so excited. But I do think that there's definitely there's something about the scenes that I or stick out the most in my memory that kind of illustrate what you're talking about, Elizabeth, are those scenes where Alec is told by Sarah Gill that he's got to do certain things or complete certain tasks for his training. And then it turns out that Alec was, or that Sarah Gill was behind them the whole time. Like specifically, the scene there's a scene where Alec is kind of commissioned to break into somebody's house, and it turns out the house that he's breaking into is the house that Sarah Gill owns as his kind of wealthy persona, and it makes Alec feel really embarrassed and kind of manipulated and taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes across like as the reader because I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, that's not. Like, I understand the training aspect of that, but, like, that's really kind of emotionally manipulative and, like... Yeah. Nah. It, it, it was obviously, like, a safety thing, but it was... Yeah. Yeah, it, just it, felt, it was odd. Yeah. And when, yeah. when he had him mugged, like, and threatened... Yeah, that was like, weird, yeah, That wasn't so cool. I was like, that's not very cool. But, again, it, it would have happened, so he needed to learn, but... Eh, but, I yeah, know. it's just the method of teaching gets a little... It's just a questionable yeah, method. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just, it's and I mean, he sent him through all one. these dodgy areas where that stuff was looming. And if the police, like at one point, yeah. he he rides through like the really poor area of town because mm-hmm. he's told to go mm-hmm. on a ride, and um, and there are obviously people coming to try and attack him and take his stuff. And the mm-hmm. police happened to ride in, but that wasn't organized by Sarah Gill. And I just thought, like at that point, he was very much abandoned, and I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like that bit. Like if like, something had happened to Alec at that point, that would have been. Yeah. fully on mm. Sarah like, Gill for... There were moments where he just didn't take that Master Apprentice thing as seriously as I wanted. But I don't think mm. that was, you know, played on the relationship dynamic. That was just a, like, he was busy dealing with other stuff kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, and Sarah Gill is very much so that, I mean... He's he's one of my favorite character character archetypes. That kind of wealthy asshole who is also broken inside because tragedy, but also <laughs> like is a playboy. So he's very distracted in town because he's got these several different personas that he has to keep up, and that often leaves Alec kind of a couple steps behind alone. in the dark, kind of lagging yeah. Yeah. to catch up. Which by the end of the book started to feel a little like, you know, come on, like he's indicated to you that he can kind of hold his own. Like let's start to bring him up to speed on some stuff <laughs> there's also the typical age thing that comes with non-aging characters yeah this comes into vampire novels a lot but mm-hmm. in this with like you have different magical races and saragil is of one of the magical races so also you have the wizards and they don't age so micam no not micam nice nice their wizardly master who is like older doesn't actually look much older like he has a little mm-hmm. red moustache or something I think it comes out at yeah. one point and like 
Uh, Sarah Gill is 58, but he looks but he 25. Looks, yeah. And yeah. Alec is 16. Uh, yeah. Which, like, go, 16 to 25 is already starting to get a little... Towards the line, like sixteen to twenty-five is quite a gap. If Sarah Gill were actually twenty-five, which she's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And I mean, he's meant to be of a magical race, so you know, in terms of his own race's maturity, he is a very young man. He's barely older mm. than Sarah Gill mm-hmm. uh, than Alec. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how spooky. that plays off. But, you know how you play that off in a fantasy world where it's like okay in your race you're considered like a teenager as well but you do have 58 years of experience yeah like i don't know i always find that a weird one to try and balance out because it's like if if you find it weird in twilight that edward is a hundred and whatever yeah and going out with a 17 year old girl icky why is it less weird in this um, because I want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I really like Good this dogs. relationship and it's not emotionally abusive, so I want to just ignore mm. it, even though it is super problematic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, legit, like, age difference relationships can work out completely fine. Yeah, but, but that's a, a big, big yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't say anything because I've read the next books and there's yeah. answers in the next books Hush. to what oh, you're really? saying. So I Hush would say Well, that's good to know. <laughs> like, but yeah, no. maybe it's because he's not, it's not, at, like, he's a 50 and not 150. Yeah. Like, you're, I mean, at this point, Elizabeth, it's all just, yeah. like, self justification for my problematic faves but it is definitely a normal yeah it's definitely a dynamic that is a little it's not not like oh i've outlived all of humans that i knew when i was a baby Mm -hmm. and (laughs) now i'm in like 10 generations later i'm just gonna find a new person yeah like but i think you know maybe if you're gonna do that in a um fantasy or science fiction world that's a really interesting thing to explore like what do people do when everybody around them dies dies yeah and and ages at a rate that they don't how Mm. do you find love and companionship Mm -hmm. and whatever with people who have so much less experience in the world i'm in that same like tricky spot that i'm always in where and it won't work in this world because with vampires you can pass that shit on but serial can't pass on his r and face status to alex so that he lives forever but if Alec doesn't live forever, I don't know how this is going to work. And I <laughs> am nervous and it just, I'm I uncomfortable. I think that's all part of like Sarah Gould's character is the fact mm-hmm. that he has had past relationships. And, mm-hmm. you know, we get hints that he's had other past relationships not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there are particular other characters who he's known to have had feelings for. I won't mm-hmm. say who. Um but all is it Micam? It's Micam, isn't it? It's totally Micam. They totally dated. <laughs> Calling it. Haven't even read it yet. No, it was in the book. Uh, I know. It was. It was. Book, it, was it was mentioned by by Micam's wife in the book that they had been. Yeah. So together. Micam. Okay. Micam was someone he wanted to go out with, but he didn't because Micam okay. had his his lover. You know, his Ugh. wife now. So he didn't. He never got Micam. Micam was like the one who got away. And then before oh, Micam, he had. Like all the other people that he's had, and so I think for Saragul, it's a case of like he's been there with Micam. He he fell for Micam hard, and then Micam chose his wife, and that's what happened. And now they're really good friends. And I think he kind of thinks that that's what's going to happen to Alec and him the whole book. And he's like, 
oh, you know, I really like this guy, but I'm going to just have to be friends. I'm gonna oh, my God, friends. my heart. This, like, is literally, so this is literally the it's slow so burn sad. plot of every Wolfstar fan fiction that I have ever read and loved. The, this is, like, published. I'm so glad that this is happening. I'm but, so you know, glad I've ordered all these other do books. do develop later on, it's a whole other ballgame. So <laughs> I feel so happy for him later on. Oh, but, yeah, okay. I think that's all part of his character. Yeah. It's like feeling that loss and seeing people mm-hmm. that he loves die and you know he doesn't live with his race he lives with the humans so he does see loads of people die and it's like really sad it's gotta be quite emotionally scary oh, he's like, broken I and i want that. to fix him I yeah just want to <laughs> this... but on the plus side this book made me smile so much i think all of us are smiling right now talking about it it was just like your your conversations on Twitter that you guys had with like a ton of gifts made me smile too. <laughs> they I were just... also very apt. It was just one of those books that I was like, oh, this is so nice. I love bits of this. It's so nice. Oh yeah, and it was the and I will say for me the good bits were good enough that the bad sloggy bits in between didn't feel mm. quite as sloggy as I think they normally would have. So yeah. that was this, nice. Yeah, yeah this true. book I feel like is so much better than the other epic fantasy that I have hated. <laughs> I used to love <laughs> epic fantasy. Fair. I, should, I should put that out there. Like, But I read a lot of it and I yeah. kind of think I hit my limit. Um, but yeah, the good bits of this book make me want to keep reading this book. Like, I love the relationship. I love the dynamic of women and men in the mm-hmm. world. And the bisexuality mm. and all that stuff is just so good. It's just the in-between writing stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's the only thing that's bad about yeah. this book. And it's so frustrating because I know if I want to carry on and read about these precious, precious humans. Babies. Our my babies. Yeah. Like, then I have to slog through another thousand yeah. pages. And that's the thing, man, is like the in-between is, it's a lot in a five six hundred page book like the in-between parts we're talking about make up a good you know chunk of the book so when it's a big book like that that's a that yeah, can be a factor it's a lot sure. of the book that's very yeah. fair and also fair but the say. thing with the women the lack of female characters i know caitlin has now told us that it does get better so that makes me feel a bit better but if i hadn't known that if i just read this book and didn't have tons of people to talk to about oh, it oh no i do agree i yeah. think be that so- it could have been better in this book there's no reason for it not to be better in this book mm-hmm. yeah that's that's the dumb thing. Why like couldn't Mycum have been the lady? They talk about there being a lady watcher. She leaves them stuff in one of their yeah. um, well, caves. I completely that they agree with you. In. Like, I think the wizards could have been women. I think oh, yeah. you know, there's loads of people who could mm-hmm. have been women. It's just or just not. take the but women you have on, and, and do. beef it up a little bit. Give us more yeah. of these I great mean, women you've already created. But yeah, there's it's definitely. I mean, like half points yeah. for having so many, but. Use let's them. get them a little bit more screen time like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like it's, it's like this is a clear sort of precursor to now when you get something like cameron hurley's uh, mirror empire mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like huge sprawling epic fantasy yeah but it centers much more like where there are there are male and female characters but it's much mm-hmm. more even and like mm-hmm. the big main characters are women as well and that's true yeah you just yeah. see that like i don't know maybe it was like like i feel like i'm excusing it now like the era and it would have been hard <laughs> to do both but then i'm like you know what screw it just do it well and it's you know it's one of those things where any representation is great representation but yes. i just think that we have come further now in our kind of societal 
understanding that now just one form of representation isn't quite hitting the bar anymore so yeah. like mm-hmm. the the lgbtq representation in this book is great but like, yeah there's no reason so you she know knows. she's yeah. a woman she knows that mm-hmm. she's got good woman in her world she just doesn't act on it until later books so. i'm just shocked yeah. that a woman was able to write a man with such convincing authority i just oh, don't even know how she was able to do it i'm just amazed <laughs> they read like real men they just jumped off the page it was amazing Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'll take off my sarcasm hat now and stop being so sassy. No, this has been good. Oh, I've enjoyed okay. this one. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think all in all, while there were parts that could have been better, even Elizabeth came around just just a smidgen. Yeah, like, and I think world, world and characters, wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful. Writing. If you don't like epic fantasy, you're not going to like it. But you yeah. might be able to slog through it just for the precious, precious yeah. babies. Yes. that's. A, I feel like that's a very safe synopsis that will kind of hit everybody. Yeah. That Thanks is the so conclusion well. of Luck yes. in the Shadows. <laughs> Should mm. we talk about our next choice? What's coming up next? Yes. Mm. Let's. So uh, we were thinking for next month, we might do like a Christmas special, like holiday special, because we'll be talking about it in early December. However... Mm. Trying to find a book that is both holiday-themed by a woman and from before the year 2000 turned out to be quite a challenge. Very hard. If you have short story links you can send us, please do, because we came up pretty empty-handed. Yeah. Yeah, we came up with a couple, but it, it, it was harder than we wanted, and we would rather do something that was, like, really good than... Like, just meh. Yeah. So, what we're going to do instead is have a rage fest. <laughs> we're going to get really angry and we're going to oh, read gosh. How to Suppress Women's Writing by Joanna Russ because we've never done a non fiction book and I know this is going to make Chelsea really mad. I am already so no. mad and we haven't even opened the book yet. I'm already oh, so ready to talk about this book. Yeah, and we can't not read a Joanna Russ. Joanna Russ mm-hmm. is one of the amazing, like, feminist voices in yeah. science fiction and fantasy, or was. She She is no longer with us. Um, but her books are fantastic, and this is her non-fiction book. And just the cover of it, which has got, like, some of the lines, is enough to make your head explode. <sighs> so mad. Like, that, yeah. like, that's the only thing. I'm just sitting here looking at the Amazon page, reading, like, the sub title under the how to suppress women's writing and i'm just like this is all such bullshit i'm also i'm so mad right now i'm so ready to talk about this book so So, uh, we thought we'd mix it up a little bit with something non-fiction but still in that sff wheelhouse so if you have if you've read it or if you want to pick it up and then come rage with us we are here for you. Uh, yes. We thoroughly recommend that you join us and, and join the Holiday Rage Fest. That's what yeah. we're going to call Yay. it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing balances out the joy of Thanksgiving and Christmas like feminist rage. So please come join us. Oh, yes. I'm going to get that teacher that just says, ask me about my feminist agenda. <laughs> no, no, Elizabeth, I don't have the spoons to talk about Chelsea Kane. I can't do it. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> But for real, ask me about my feminist agenda, because that was yeah. bullshit. <laughs> okay, so okay. that is what's coming up next. We look forward to your thoughts on it, and we look yes. forward to our thoughts on it. But what are we reading now, Chelsea? Okay, uh, okay I'll go first. I am reading several things. Uh, for those of you who 
uh, just came out of your hole in the ground, uh, America is having an election. And voting takes Yay. place in probably by the time this goes up, like just a couple of days, uh, America will have a new president. Oh I'm very frightened. And my oh. gut instinct is to retreat into politics stuff that's fun for me so right now i am reading the alexander hamilton biography for nonfiction Yay. november by ron chernow the big nice. one uh because obviously um and then i'm listening to les mis on audiobook uh les miserables by victor hugo you're having um, like a whole musical themed thing aren't yeah you? like it's a whole thing that's happening i don't know why they both happen to be musicals and both happen to be political but it's just it's making me feel much more like cocooned in political safety <laughs> and <Not> then <laughs> uh part of gearing up for non or uh, national novel writing month in november is i'm reading a ton of fan fiction and i have found a harry potter les miserables crossover fan fiction <laughs> where the boys from the les amis cafe use the renegade radio from the sixth and seventh book of harry potter to challenge the statute of secrecy it's oh called God. this yeah it's called this one goes out to by night tracer and i'll link it in the show notes but it is like political idealism meets wizard radio meets boys who just love each other so much and it is just hitting me right in the heart spot so i am really enjoying it um what do you got caitlin Okay, I am reading a couple of good things at the moment. I am reading The Left-Handed Darkness by Ursula Le Guin, which Yay. is my first Le Guin, and Yay. I'm loving it, so that's good. Um, I'm about halfway through. And I'm also reading A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf, mm -hmm. which Excellent. is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, that was recommended to me by my mum, so I'm reading that one. And I'm also about to start Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee, which is a big buddy read that lots of people are going to be joining in on. So I'm quite excited to get into that one because yeah. I think it will be an interesting one to discuss. So those are yeah. my plans for the upcoming week or so. Mm -hmm. Caitlin is basically reading three of my favorite books of all time. All yeah, those are good choices. <laughs> I'm excited for I'm the I'm excited for the Nine Fox Gambit read. Having heard Elizabeth talk about it, I'm yeah, I'm very excited to get to it. Should be really oh. interesting. Yeah. It's so clever. It's so clever. Um, I hope I'm clever enough for it. Yeah. <laughs> you are. What you do you got, are, Elizabeth? Obviously. Um, I am about to start After Atlas by Emma Newman. Yet again, I have literally just finished Luck in the Shadows like oh, last night. So I am without a book, but I am going to start After Atlas. I started it back in August when I got an advanced copy, but um, I just put it aside because I'm a terrible person and it's about time <laughs> I read more. Um, and I'm also listening to The Dream Thieves by Maggie Steve Oh, Steve oh you kept going. <laughs> you kept oh, no. going. <laughs> For those who don't know why they're squeeing, I started reading The Raven Cycle and had a bit of a meltdown <laughs> on Twitter about Welsh history and pronunciation <laughs> and terrible, terrible, misogynistic, rich boys being awful. I am like literally just rolling around on the floor with laughter remembering these tweets coming out of Elizabeth as she's reading the first one. Oh my god, I was so angry. But it did get a bit better, and the bits that are good, it's like Luck in the Shadows, the bits that are good are, are really, really good. good. Yeah. Like the southern gothic-ness of mm -hmm. it is really cleverly mm -hmm. done, and 
some of the characters are like my precious broken babies that I yeah. need to I need to make them kiss, you know? Yeah. As I say, you found the fan fiction and you turned I your did. opinion around. Damn it. <laughs> so I give I'm giving it another book to keep going and yeah, it's it's an enjoyable, like fun yeah. just kind of read. Um, but as for fanfic, we were having a discussion about old fanfic the other day, and I found a fanfic that I haven't read since I was about 17, 16. Like, it came out in 2002, and I found it again. Shut um, up. Yeah, and it's called The Mirror of Maybe by Midnight Blue, and it's not available on AO3 because that didn't exist. Yeah. Um, so I'm currently rereading that as well and just having like the best blast from what the What fandom past. is that? Is that <laughs> a Harry Potter? Or... It is Harry Potter. Mm, Harry Potter from the oh, internet yeah. sandbox. That's like the oh, best. My it was like my first proper fandom was Harry Potter. Oh, um, man. So, and this was a big deal in fandom way back in the day. That, that fic was like, it had its own Yahoo group of people <gasps> discussing it because it was such a big deal. Oh, wow. So it's so oh, enjoyable man. finding things from the past. So. And don't you worry, Caitlin, I am still finding your Robin Hobb fan fiction and it is coming. And when I find it, you oh, will read it and it will be amazing. All right. They're trying to get me into fanfic. We'll see. It'll happen. Oh, oh no, it'll happen. The, oh, no. I, we have a long future of friendship, so I have much time to wear down the walls. And <laughs> this it will find you the thing you need. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna okay, see. everyone. We'll see. That is that is what we have read. That is what we are reading, and that is the episode. So we will see you in a month's time to have a lovely chat about how to express <laughs> women's writing. And in the meantime, we hope you have a wonderful.